Hello. 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 <laughs> it's working. It's w- it appears to be working. Dear God. <laughs> Are you for real? This is actually working first go? I think it is. All right. Um, Do yeah, we record it? It's very unsettling. We are recording. Should we just consider this an open then? <laughs> Cold open. Cold open. Hard open. Hello, love. Hey, what's happening? I am preparing to unleash upon you the most mighty reading list ever because I've been away for a couple of weeks and um, while I was working quite long hours, I was staying in a hotel uh, by myself in the evenings, so getting a huge amount of reading done. Consequently, to be honest, I feel like I've been on holiday even though I was on a work trip. <laughs> Wow, don't say that too loudly. I know. No one will tell anyone, right? Look, for the record, and if you're from the Australian, long work hours were observed. um, But, God, the luxury of doing just one job at one time and then also not having to manage the lives of small people at the same time. Oh, my God. I know. It is completely. Do not tell anyone. (laughs) I know. Exactly. Uh, Um, How do I hook that up for myself? No, no. Look. It's my experience. You can't have it. Um, anyway, so I kind of – I read a whole range of uh, things. Um, one nonfiction book that I read that I really, really liked was um, a uh, – God, what's it called? God, here's – I've forgotten the title. Um, it's called oh, – While God. you look for that, can I just mention, you're yeah. wearing what? boots that have like a cowhide pattern on them. Mm-hmm. A and what of it? Ma'am? A spotted shirt yes. of multicolours, a green cardigan with orange and sort of black stripes, yeah. and yet somehow it all works. Really? <laughs> I would describe the look as busy. <laughs> <laughs> it is busy. You can have and the photograph of the outfit works. and post it with the podcast. I'll now take a photo. Yeah. I. Um, what are you, I feel what are like you trying it, to tell me about well, my Well, I just outfit? feel like it looks good on you, but that if I walked out of here wearing that, <laughs> somebody would play some clown music, but it looks good on you. Okay. I don't think I'd get away with it, though. Should that give me a warmer feeling than I'm currently <laughs> experiencing? <laughs> Asking for a friend. No, but it's like, you know, when you see women who wear scarves and sometimes they look oh, really good. I, yeah. I just look weird. <laughs> I just look like I've draped a curtain around my neck. It doesn't work for me. I would like to be able to wear much chunkier necklaces. I like a chunky necklace. I quite often will like look at a chunky necklace, like, you know, giant beads as in like Flintstone type. Yeah. But there's something wrong in my neck area where oh, that doesn't sh- sound any I wear something like that occasionally. Good. I know, but you look great because you always look like a swan. I you always look kind of like an Amazon warrior <laughs> princess. I just look like I've hung some marble around my to- neck. <laughs> I'll have to get you to try one on to. Um, oh, for the love of God! It's not coming what? up. Look seriously. I mean, Jesus. Can I? Um, so, nothing enrages me quite so much as trying to sort through my admittedly overburdened with forty six thousand unread emails oh, inbox. God, I know that I that just, gives you hives. Show and, me actually how many unread there are. Oh, um, yeah. I just I can't because it's all frozen up because oh, it's too God. cross with me. All right. So just tell us, um, give us the gist of this oh, nonfiction. No, then. Just, I can remember, but now I can't remember because it's in my inbox. And, we'll get. Oh my we'll God. Get the standards Kathy to of tighten this up because no, it's, it's okay. This should be exactly <laughs> as it is. Um, <laughs> I brought it up on my computer. Um, seconds before you walked in and then I checked my email for something else and now it's completely frozen up. Foul-mouthed ABC fat cat (sighs) loses it on podcast. the system encountered a problem. No kidding. All right, here we are. I got it. 
Okay. Sorry. Right. So the book that I read is called oh, – I'm so sorry. Everybody. Dear listeners, thank you for sticking around. We're both very tired. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read a book called Bad Blood, yep. Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. Now, oh, you that know, sounds great. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know how I do love the inside story of a disaster? Yes, yeah. you do. So this is the story of that um, – uh, startup, that health startup called Theranos. Mm-hmm. You would have read about it. It was invested in by God knows how many, like full top tier um, US investors. It was the hottest property in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. It was this um, uh, young woman who was billed as the next Steve Jobs. Right. And um, she um, was like in her 20s and claimed to have invented this um, – blood testing unit where you could pinprick your finger and like oh, put yeah. a droplet of blood of into this yep. little cartridge and shove it into this machine and it would immediately screen your blood for everything from, you know, Parkinson's to, you know, whatever. And all of these people bought into it. I mean, they had billions worth of um, investment in this project. And um, Walgreens, you know, that big um, uh, US pharmacy, pharmacy mm-hmm. uh, chain, bought in and like started building extensions onto their stores to set up um, instant blood screening clinics and so on. And they were a fiercely um, private company, like absolutely like security guards on the door, wouldn't let anyone in to come and have a look, a very weird workplace culture. And this book has been written by a journalist who cottoned on to what was going on in this company and through a series of um, leaks inside the company and just months and months and months of legwork eventually blew it apart. Turns mm. out that they weren't even used that, – that they made up most of their technology. They were using other blood testing units to sort of take the samples and test it on other units and then pretend oh. that they were – like they were even doing market demonstrations where they were just falsifying the res- responses and results that they were getting to these blood tests. It was the most incredible scam. And like, I mean, Rupert Murdoch put hundreds of millions of dollars into this thing and they all lost the lot because mm. – it was a total scam. Oh. And the most amazing thing to me is just reading this account of how a person who's got like a lot of front can get away with so much. Is the chick in prison? Uh, I don't think so. I think she's certainly facing federal charges of some kind. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, by the end of the book she isn't because it ends in just – the reveal of everybody finding out what a house of cards this is. And does it read was. like a sort of thriller? Of course it does. <laughs> it's awesome. It's been sort of built up by um, sort of sources within the company. So it, right. it reads like a bit of an, just a drama, you know. Oh, God, that sounds awesome. It's so good. And you just, it's just horrifying. Speaking of thrillers, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to see the new Mission Impossible on Friday night. Oh, my God. I'm bum, pretending to be bum, enthusiastic bum, about bum, that, bum, but I'm not. Bum, 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 bum. How can you be? You're so susceptible to this sort of. I mean, it's like a new Die Hard's come out or something. (laughs) If I could only uh, recreate for you, the listener, just as she's going, (laughs) her shoulders are going like up and down. It's very cheesy. Um, As I'm sure that film will be. What are your thoughts on Just, oh my God. Just be on the pale, honestly. In, in a good or a bad way? Bad way. 
Why? Talk about like planet Hollywood, you know. <laughs> What what was that thing? What, what was that thing that we used to talk about? The rock star enclosure on oh, planet. No, the the, um, <laughs> the sting enclosure sting. on planet rock star. <laughs> well, imagine the Tom Cruise enclosure. Wow, wow. Yeah. he would be a man that would only eat the blue M and M's or whatever, wouldn't he? But look, you know, I I get, I totally hear what you're saying. I get all of that. Um, but you know, I don't know if it's because are you I, dating him? Am I what? Are you dating him? I am actually. <laughs> I'm dating Tom Cruise. Everyone, you can't see, but I'm jumping Jump on the, the couch. couch. <laughs> um, Honestly, what a nonger. No, but I I don't know if it's because, you know, I came of age in the 80s, but to me when I see him, I just go capital M, capital S, movie star. Like mm. I don't know if it's because of Top Gun and Cocktail and those films. I love that, that Cocktail out. is your second go-to awesome movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kokomo just came into my head, oh. but I'll, I won't sing it because I've already used up my singing. One for this of Brian episode. Brown's uh, just um, finest moments. Uh, oh yeah, Brian Brown was in it. Yeah, he? and now, Elizabeth Shue. But you're welcome. Got, but he's got a. Yeah, I love how you poked fun at me with cocktail, and yet you seem to know every last. Look, the minor, I know, minor I know lots of reprehensible details about lots of just worthless projects. Um. Yeah, there's something about what he looks like and that mega just dazzling smile. Green. Yeah, I just think movie star. Okay. Yeah. Did you see that little clip James Corden did with him the other day when they went skydiving no, together? I've that got like funny. I've got a hundred million hours of James Corden to catch up with. Right. I haven't even seen the McCartney one yet. Sorry, mate. Oh, okay. Um, uh, all right. Just before we get off, um, Steve, what am I calling? Is, is it pronounced Steve Jobs or Jobs? I'm having Jobs, a brain snap. I think it is, isn't Jobs, it? I, Steve Jobs. Yeah. Right. I used to work with somebody, I know someone who was J O B pronounced Job, and that's ruined me for all other Job jobs. In the Bible or Job's is yeah. pronounced like that too. You're yeah. doing a great job <laughs> of your job, Lee Sales. You've Lee Sales. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Aruba, Jamaica. Are either of us making Ooh, any I'm sense is my question. You You're not really doing You're not helping. Come on, pretty Kilago, Montego. Oh, I had it. What's the next bit? What's that, what, what's that line about something, something, a mound of rotten toast or something? Get there fast and then we'll take it slow. That's where. <laughs> Did you ever sing that when you were a wedding singer? No. Oh. <laughs> well, just for that at their wedding. Well, I'm the kind of. We met on a date going to see Cocktail. We'd really like you to sing Kokomo as our broader waltz. Mate, I wouldn't have ruled out that being a possibility, so just don't mock me for that because <laughs> if I looked at the records, if I you reckon i must mock me for something, mock me for my outfit. <laughs> yeah, actually. I can't <laughs> think of it. You look ridiculous. You're giving me shit about my mismatched stripes and spots. I did think before that this She's is She's wearing a marble swirled uh, knee-length set of joggers. What are they? Like yoga pants or something? Gym pants. Gym pants. And sneakers. And a hoodie from Target. <laughs> it's a Target hoodie, I, don't I believe. I want to know what state your underwear is, it, is in. Is it from Target or Kmart? Yes, it's from Target. Um, I did think before when I slopped into the office wearing this, <laughs> there must be people who go, oh, well, you know, there's two standards around here, one for TV presenters who can slop in looking like the robber's dog, <laughs> one for the rest of us who have to dress professionally. Well, I've put some thought into my outfit. <laughs> Um, anyway, look, much as you try and distract me with your crappy 80s singles, um, I am <laughs> oh, determined. crappy ones. Everybody <laughs> wants to work. No, no, not me. <gasps> Brian Mannix. God, what a shocking, shocking, shocking man he was really? slash is. Oh, come on. I'm the best looking guy in the factory. 
or <laughs> so everyone keeps telling me, but the women are all dogs and the men are all wogs, so it just doesn't matter to me. Actual <laughs> lyric from Brian Maddox's song, which pretty much kicked him to the curb for all time. Get, you could get away with that in the 80s. And the hair. <laughs> you can't have that and the hair. Anyway, look, let me talk about this other thing that I read. Damn you to hell. Okay, so I read this amazing piece in Vanity Fair the other mm. day written by this woman who is Steve Jobs' uh, secret daughter. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a, Oh, my gosh, it's quite extraordinary. So she's written a book, right? She's written a book and, um, oh, maybe she hasn't written a book. Maybe she just wrote this piece. I can't remember. I was so kind of caught up with it. Um, she was born to uh, Steve Jobs' – not even his wife. I think they were kind of um, boyfriend, girlfriend or partners and um, her mum got pregnant with her and all of a sudden off Steve trots and drops in every now and again uh, during her young years, then gets married and has more kids and sh this child sort of wafts in and out of his life um, – the thing that she knows about her dad is that he's super rich and he's a, possibly a billionaire and she has these sort of isolated encounters with him where, oh, my God, it's so awkward. And the way that she writes is actually very piercingly beautiful. It's not 100% sort of anti-him. It's more just a bit puzzled. Anyway, I was completely bound up in it. It's um, really fascinating. Um a few years ago, a biography of Steve Jobs came out by a journal called Walter Isaacson. Yes. And it's considered the definitive, yep. you know, Jobs bio. I remember you um, being all over it. Yeah, it's a brilliant read. But my lasting thoughts about Steve Jobs were brilliant man in his personal life, absolute asshole. Yeah, and it was partly to do with that daughter and yeah. the way he treated her, but also his second family. I mean. There's a sequence where Isaacson goes and talks to them and he spends some time around them and stuff, and it's basically clear that the kids just accept that they are less important to dad than work, and they sort of say, that's okay, like his work's really important, you know, it's fine. Mm. Just think, man, it doesn't matter how important your work is, if that's the message you've imparted to your children, that I is know. horrifying. Yeah. Um, it prompted me to have um, – well, back then I did talk about it to, some, to people, but I was ch chatting to a friend um, recently about this question – which is, and I mean, I know you and I've talked about it before too. If you do invent something absolutely brilliant like the iPhone that, you know, just about everyone mm. on the planet uses, does that, how much of an asshole does that entitle you to be? I think it's totally in the remit of the individual. That's why it's so scary because you mm. have the capacity to get away with terrible stuff. And so the only thing that really, I mean, it's, it's the greatest test of character in some ways mm. because. The only you can thing, get away with yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, brings us back to the stinging closure on Planet Rockstar, right? Like if you if you have the capacity to act like a monster mm. and you take that capacity up enthusiastically, well, mm. it's it can only ever be a reflection on your own character. It's not Yeah. It's it's as though the the social boundaries around you have been removed. The um the friend I was talking to this about said um that why do we pose that question like it's a mutually exclusive thing? Like mm. it's not. Like just because – why do we accept that geniuses have the opportunity to be an asshole? I don't know. Yeah. I, I've never understood that. Um, 
And I suspect, you know, that the age of social media probably crimps that capacity mm. in a way because people who are um, institutions or have invented huge things or um, are massive brands in themselves are much more vulnerable now to anyone reporting on their interactions with them and brand management is much more mm. is a much more um, um, intricate thing now. I think than it was definitely things have changed so much in that regard. I just would you, I don't know. Would you get away with acting like he acted at work, Steve Jobs today? I just I don't know. Well, Elon Musk is probably the best the best um, mm. comparison, right? God, he took a, a real hammering over his sort of conduct around the um, the Thai caves rescue, mm. didn't he? He like did. I reckon, yeah. Even the, you know the content of stuff too. Like I've been watching Thirty Rock recently, and oh, some of the episodes. I read. I watched about six of them on the plane recently. They're just so good. Still. Brilliant. Just oh it's my so god, funny. I wish there would be more Thirty it's, Rock. But some of the um, race stuff, I, I do not reckon she'd get away with today. Um, with Alec Baldwin impersonating all of Tracy Jordan's family and stuff like that, I just don't reckon that you would get away oh, I've with forgotten that. Forgotten about that episode. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of that kind of stuff, and I just thought, wow, that's really fascinating. That in a fairly short period of time, I reckon that you yeah. would get smashed for that kind of material. Yep. Um. So yeah, standards. <laughs> and then you think of Brian Mannix's songs of the eighties. Oh my, just. Frightening, absolutely frightening. Um, hey, I have been watching something so awesome on television and mm -hmm. I think it's like it's probably a year or two. I don't know how old it is, probably ancient. You know how long it takes me to get onto these things. Anyway, it's called W1A and oh, it's yeah. um, the comedy set inside the BBC. So it's pretty much based on the games by John Clark. It's that same tone and same execution and, in fact, I think that um, I'd have to check the um, the yarn on this one, but I think that the BBC made um, essentially a version of the John Clark's The Games um, for the Olympics in, in London and then kind of extended the mm -hmm. concept to making this show about the inner workings of the BBC. But this show is about um, – it, it's sort of a, a, a mockumentary about um, – the BBC's new head of values, a guy called Ian Fletcher, who um, turns up, you know, on his folding bicycle to the BBC. And there's this whole cast of just terrifying public broadcasting characters. You kind of like, as an ABC employee, you watch it with your fist <laughs> in your mouth, just trying not to sob with laughter because it's massively exaggerated. But, you know, there are some of those same issues and, and, and things that come up. Um, but there's also these just these hilarious little just berserk little side gags like they've introduced open plan seating so no one can ever find a seat and there's no way you can talk to anyone in in private and this head of <laughs> ethics is trying to values is trying to find somewhere to talk to someone they're having a massive blue about uh, which presenter to engage for some show called um britain's tastiest village <laughs> they're trying to come up with a new like reality concept oh, just God. so disgusting anyway and he can't find a meeting room and he he throws out all the meeting rooms at this building are called things like Darfur and <laughs> like they're all kind of like places of the world where hardship has oh, happened. God. And um, he, he kind of throws open the door to this room and without without any kind of explanation in in the room is Salman Rushdie having an arm <laughs> wrestle with some guy and they both just look up and just go, what? And he just goes, oh, sh and pulls the door closed. Like it's just full of these hilarious little Side gags. gags. Yeah. 
Someone and there's this one with this one guy. There's one where some guy's making a presentation to about like ten completely uninterested staff in a presentation room, and they've got a live, you know, feed um, of what he's saying flashed up for the um, you know hearing impaired. But it's completely like TV eater, like it's completely mangled, <laughs> and it's it's not. It's just a joke that you what that you notice if you're um, kind if you're of paying what, attention. Yeah, sorry, someone rushed. He had a very funny cameo in the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, really? Where Larry David has created a Broadway show. I forget the title of it, but it's basically um, it's like a musical about Muhammad or something. It's massively right. offensive. And so yeah. a fat wire gets put on Larry yeah. David and he's sort of having a panic about it. So he has lunch or dinner or something with Salman Rushdie to talk about right. how do you manage it. And Salman Rushdie's it's so funny. He's basically saying, and he delivers it all so well, he's like, you are about to have the best sex of your life. You are about to have fat wow sex because now you are a dangerous man. <laughs> the, you know, the ladies love danger. And then he's like, you can get out of anything. Like, you know, your mother-in-law needs a lift to the airport. Sorry, can't under a fat wow. <laughs> it's bloody hilarious. Very funny indeed. Well, I'm loving it anyway. I've sort of smashed through a few episodes of it and um, thoroughly enjoy it. How, what um, are you watching that on, like Netflix um, the or television? Uh, no. I <laughs> old school style. The TV. I don't know. Maybe it's. It must be Netflix. I think. I don't know. Jeremy organised it, but I'll make sure that I find out, and then it'll be in the notes. Because I don't know. Now I just oh, speaking of the see notes. things on television. I don't know where it comes from. Speaking of the notes and Jeremy, if you want to check out our notes, you can go to our website website www.chat10looks3.com um, you can follow us on twitter at chat10looks3 you can join our facebook group chat10looks3 also jeremy asked me to mention that we have a show coming up in melbourne a live stage show uh, in november god what <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had forgotten no i hadn't no definitely going friday the 16th of november booyah i was correct friday the Do you 16th know why november? because i thought it was the ninth and i built like because i've got a book tour that month and i built the whole thing around it being on the 9th and then you said something that made me just quietly vomit a little bit and I didn't say anything to you. I'm just like, mm, oh, great, yeah, 16th, uh-huh, yep, totally cool. Uh, okay, now we've, One week we've out. thrown a few numbers out there. So let's just Your make, new book 16th. will be out and my new book will be out too. In fact, it'll be the first thing that we will have done talking about both of our new books and having our new books to sign instead yes. of our old books to sign. So there'll be so. a slightly awkward, lumpy conversation about um, <laughs> unbelievable tragedy and um, fun things to cook when your friends drop over. Uh, and you never know what we might do in our live shows. We usually try to have something that value adds and sometimes not. Might, might just be crying. Could just be us it sitting on stage looking like a couple of slobs. Yeah, I might wear this outfit that I'm wearing right now. Mum actually told me, because I always get stressed thinking, oh, we've got to do something special for the live show. Mum said to me, actually, everyone just likes seeing you and Crab and uh, getting you to sign their books, so don't stress. I think you should okay. just not worry about that. Just you two up there speaking nonsense is enough for everybody. I'll do pretty much whatever Anne Sales tells and, me to do. You know, obviously, my mother would be the objective voice of reason on <laughs> oh, that no, question. She'd let you know if you're really boring, that's for sure. <laughs> She'd be quite upfront so, about that. Tony Hale, I was looking at something, some stupid little thing. He's the guy who's Julia Louis-Dreyfus's yeah. bag man on Veep. Um, he was reading out, people were reading out actual celebrities' real-life tweet, real-life texts that they had received from their mother. Oh. <laughs> and she said um, his mother's to him was, our new neighbours have been raving about Arrested Development. They love it. Your father and I still don't get it. <laughs> 
such a mother thing to text. That is awesome. Mm, very awesome. Kiss followed by a, just a real punch to the solar plexus. <laughs> Oof. Uh, now we've got about five minutes to go. Oh, if there's anything okay. else you'd I've like to talk ma- about. Ma- this is just such a treat. Uh, you know, you're not uh, talking over me. You're not like grabbing the mic. Occasionally you're just letting me I'm go on and on and on. Singing some bad little songs uh, from the 80s. What else? I read a thriller. Oh, I read a thriller called Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. Oh. So, um, which was recommended uh, to me by uh, Bronwyn, the producer I was working with on my recent job. And she just said, Oh, I've started reading this book. It's just a total thriller. I can't oh, cool. put it okay. down. Okay. What's it called? Before it's the called Fall. It's called Before the Fall. By who? And it's by a guy called Noah Hawley, who is one of the writers of. Mm, something like maybe Fargo, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I read that and thought, oh, I really perked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it is very gripping. It's about a car crash. It's about an airplane crash. So possibly uh, not a great one to read in the air. Right. But definitely once you've landed safely, crack right. it open. So it's about a, a private jet that flies from Martha's Vineyard back to New York. Yeah. 18 minutes into the flight, it crashes. Right. Um, and the whole book is about all the different people who are on board and their backstories and what happens to them and the secret of what happened in the air to make this plane oh crash. Oh, God, wow, what an intriguing premise. And one of the um, principal characters is an artist who was sort of tangentially and slightly controversially um, uh, associated with the wife of the guy who owned the plane and um, he becomes sort of this figure of suspicion. The guy who owned the plane is um, basically like a Roger Ailes figure. He mm-hmm. um, owns and runs a, um, a kind of like a right-wing um, TV network mm-hmm. um, and is quite controversial for that reason. Anyway, um, so there are – it is very gripping and I couldn't stop reading it either. Um, it's very plotty and, you oh, know. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, that sounds and, perfect. Um, and the, I th- the best bit in it actually is this, there's this press conference that's very highly charged and it's like a doorstop and this guy, the artist, is kind of the focus of all this attention. And um, the greatest thing about this particular passage is that He's being ha- having questions shouted at him from all of these journos with, you know, mics and everything, and he he answers every question as though it's like a very considered interview question, you know, like a, a, on quite a deep philosophical basis. <laughs> it's the most it's uncon it's quite a comedic scene, oh. but it also is a really great kind of demonstration of how ludicrous the doorstop. Um, frenzy is as a concept. Oh, okay, because it's great. a person actually trying to answer these shouted semi questions in a, on an actual serious basis it's quite it's it's great little passage to read um do you on a plane flight are you a mm. reader or a tv watcher reader 100% oh okay but sometimes i feel like um i should watch a film just in case you know I'm not behaving properly. Like if it's on a long flight, I'll try and watch a movie just because I really rarely go to the movies. Right. So, I mean, in fact, on this recent lengthy flight, I read, I, I watched the Phantom Phantom Thread. Okay, which Haven't is um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is this frock designer and finds this muse and is sort of unusual with her, and then the movie ends. Daniel <laughs> Day Lewis nice is unusual with somebody. Well, yeah, totally. Very, sounds like a piece of miscasting there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the I 
I think I said to you I had the greatest flight home from New York in April where yeah. I was alternating between watching the latest season of The Crown yeah. and reading Michael Wolfe's book about the Trump White oh, House. Oh, perfect. It was just so great. Totally perfect. Um, I can't wait till the new season of The Crown comes out, actually, oh, with yeah. Olivia, I'm very, whatever her name is. I'm quite excited about that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Although I'm a bit, as we've discussed before, I'm just I'm a bit anxious about the character changes. I just want to sure, be sure that they are better down and then I'll start enjoying it again. My, like- my suspicion is that it'll be one of those things where from the first episode it'll be so great, the first few frames, you just won't even think about the old characters okay. ever again. Yeah, look- like with um, – I think I've talked about this before, David Duchovny and Californication, which I really loved the first two seasons of, I thought, oh, how am I going to not think of Fox, Fox Mulder from The X-Files? Didn't think of him for one second. Yeah, right, okay. dude's a good actor. Yeah. Same with Edie Falco. Well, I was such a fan oh, of The Sopranos. So and yeah. then Nurse Jackie. No, nah, didn't think of Carmela no Soprano whatsoever. for one minute. Oh, so, there yeah, you go. amazing. Absolutely well, it's amazing. All, it's all smiles as far as I'm concerned. I can't wait. Uh, okay, we're at time. <laughs> you know how I like to keep to time. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for joining us.